Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Ladies Who League. I've got a fantastic panel this morning, and I can't wait to introduce you all to them. Joining me again, my new co-host, Elle Alsop from Fox Sports for the third week in a row. Hello, Elle. Thanks for having me back. No, I haven't been punted yet. No, you won't be punted. You'll be welcome back whenever you like. I've also got Morgan Kazmarek from Sky News. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for having me. No, that's okay. Thank you for braving the rain this morning. It was torrential, so. Yeah, it was a little bit dicey, but glad to be inside in here. Fantastic. And I've also got Michael Crocker from the Rugby League Players Association. Hi, Michael. Good morning, ladies. Thank you for joining us in the hen house. We're very appreciative of having you in here. (laughs) You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Excellent. Well, I thought we'd actually start off this morning and talk about last night's game because there was quite a lot to come out of it. So, South Sydney and the Broncos. Broncos defeated the Bunnies 30-8. to L, what did you think of the game? Intense. It's <laughs> a good word for it. <laughs> probably covers a lot of what happened at the back end. Um, a lot of injuries to come out of that and a lot of, I think a lot of fire and passion, which was uh, something kind of good to see, I think, especially leading into Origin. What were your thoughts on the Sam Burgess hit? So Twitter erupted with that Sam Burgess late hit and then also erupted again with Adam Blair on Adam Reynolds. So at the time I said initially, okay, what do you have to do to get sent off? Mm-hmm. My initial reaction was was that. I thought that he was going to get 10 in the bin. If you take out the fact of the aggression, perhaps it was just the fact that for mine it was a bit unprofessional. So professional foul 10 minutes, even if you're going to say that, oh, the game's gone soft and all that kind of, because I can see the other side of the argument going, yeah, no, that was good. Just let them work it out. Mm -hmm. But for mine, maybe a little bit professional foul. Michael, what I thought was, it was interesting to watch the referee. He seemed to me to lose control of the game. There were too many warnings given. That's that's exactly what I was going to say, because uh, we saw it in a game last year where the referees have the opportunity to really nip it in the bud early and just say, look, if you talk to me like that, uh, I'm, I'm going to take action. And in, in this case, you know, Sam was warned a couple of times and we, we've had those instances where they go, this is the, your last, this is the official warning. Next person to give away a penalty, you're gone. So uh, I think I remember um, it was Jared Maxwell, James Roberts came in. He said, I could send you to the bin, but Corey, you deal with it. So he's left it to the to the captain to deal with it. And he's called Sam out and said exactly the same thing. You know, you know what can happen if you do this? Mm. GI take care of it. So I think if they um they get in those positions, I think they've, they've just taken the power away a little bit from the referees. I think they need to really be proactive with this and say, okay, I'm in control of this game and, you know, if, if you don't listen to the things that I'm telling you to do, I'm going to have to take action. And that's going to have a significant impact on the game and the players are actually going to listen then. Well, I agree because last night it was, this is your final warning. This is your last chance. I'm going to give you one more chance. And it's like, well, when are you actually going to step in and actually take some action? But even even with the Adam Blair one as well. So he, he gave Sam the benefit of the doubt on the first one. Um, and he goes, I could have penalised him then. But then, you know, Adam Blair didn't get the benefit of the doubt as well. Mm-hmm. He, he penalised him straight away. So, um, you know, if he took action on the first one, then it, there's, it's consistency when he, when he, um, when Adam Blair hit Adam Reynolds. And there are a couple of other funny little things to happen during that game. Morgan, did you notice Adam Reynolds touching the referee? As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh no, here we go again. But now it's really going to be interesting to see what action is taken. Um, we saw Sam McKendry, mm-hmm. he's out for a week for touching the ref, but countless times we've seen players not get either penalised or get off 
off from a ban. So it'll be interesting to see if we see Reynolds get pinged for that, but it's just something that players have to go, okay, this is something that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Just don't do it. It just wasn't needed. I'm a bit sick of it, to be honest. So it's just no touching. Don't touch the referee. It's as simple as that. I and think, sorry, Morgan. It just comes down to one thing it's respect. Absolutely. And, you know, talking back to the referees, uh, and there is a way to do it. And it usually should be the captain who asks mm-hmm. the question and asks it respectfully. Uh, I was guilty of it as a kid. I used to give a little bit too much lip and it cost me probably three or four times I got sent to the sin bin and a hundred penalties. But once I learned that, and it was Craig Bellamy that taught me, he said, you know, I, I love your aggression, but you know, it, it impacts the team and it impacts your game as well. So just be respectful, talk when you need to talk. Uh, but if you're not the captain, leave it to your captain, get him to t- have the conversation with them. And it's, it's the same with touching referees. I know you want to try and get their attention, but if you're not the captain, you shouldn't be trying to get his attention anyway. And surely there are other ways to get the referee's attention other than Hello, hello, yeah, I'm tapping you on the shoulder. Hi, your hi. Voice. Yes, yes, exactly. Especially when he already knew that there was obstruction there. But, Michael, what do you think with the referees in the NRL? I mean, it could be a bit of a drastic move, but it is very familiar, lots of the times, first-name basis. You look at Rugby Union and they'll go, Red 7. Do you think that needs to happen or is that too drastic? Uh, I, I, I don't mind it because, you know, I especially in the back end of my career, I preferred to have a good relationship with the referees. So, you know, if they're calling me by my first name, I'd, you know, I'd be respectful of them as well and, you know, usually call them sir or um, by their first name. So I, I think it just depends on the context of what it, what it is. Nicknames, probably not so much. I like the first names. And mm-hmm. generally I used to get Michael, which was, which was nice instead of, you know, Croc or anything like that. So I think just that balance of, um, you know, re- mutual respect is, is worthwhile. I think I heard Jared Maxwell last night call someone a bloke. Oh, really? I believe it was check the bloke, a Broncos player. We've seen a number of instances of that, though. Like I think in a Warriors game last year, one of the referees referred to a Warriors player as the man with the man bun. The guy with the man bun. Like, that worries a bit different. It's very difficult ever. to pronounce some of those names. That's so true. it needs a little bit. It needs to be a little bit of. So you know, maybe they can use the numbers. Yeah, numbers, more, but a little bit more research. You know, the media guide now has the pronunciations of all these names. So if you're going into a game, you need to you need to do a bit of research. And Absolutely, don't, you need and to don't just homework. research. Uh, you know what players you're going to be looking at for for late hits or holding down a ruck. Get the names right first, and we can go from there. So, just to confirm, it's not okay with the Warriors. <laughs> it's okay with the Warriors, but perhaps in a team like the Dragons, where there are twelve man buns, we might have a problem. Exactly. <laughs> talking to Mitch Rainey, talking to Jack Bellin, which player are you talking to? Manly, the guy with the cornrows. Let's have a look at him. Oh, you couldn't yeah. do that with Parramatta either. You or wouldn't Parramatta. be able to pick them. We haven't even mentioned the football on the field. I just want to mention Corey Oates and that put down. That was absolutely incredible, and I think he's played his way into an Origin jumper. Oh, it was one of those moments that you go, thank goodness for slow-mo in mm-hmm. It just was fantastic to see. You couldn't believe how he actually managed to manoeuvre his body around the post and then just put the ball down. It was just magic. It was magic. And that you talk about second-year syndrome for, for a lot of these kids. Last year he was phenomenal. This year he's, he's gotten even better. And he's just he's not just a good player. He's a great kid. You can tell he's just got a, a really good presence about him. His teammates love him. Uh, actually, I think I got a text off Lottie Takiri last night, and he goes, he, he will play Origin this year. And I'm, I'm sure if it's not this year, it's, it's going to be very, very soon. He'll be a part of the... Um, the Mal Meninga procession plan um, passed on to Kevy Walters, obviously. I think we might leave it there because it's been a really good discussion of last night's game. I was just getting ahead of myself and thinking about which game I'm most excited about. There are a couple, so let's take a break and come back in a sec. 
The other thing that I wanted to mention was the beginning of last night's game where we had a tremendous tribute to the Anzac men and women. Did anyone see that tribute and what were your thoughts? I honestly missed it, but I'm glad I missed it because I, I really do love saving, uh, hearing the last post until the dawn service on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again for the, for the Roosters Dragons game. It's my favorite game of the year, uh, without, without, without fail, without question, other than obviously origin and, mm-hmm. and grand final. So I, I just, I just love the concept. I love that we, we are paying tribute to these guys that have, you know, provided us, uh, provided us with the greatest country in the world. And has anyone seen the Dragons jersey for that game? I think it's absolutely beautiful. So the red V has been turned into poppies. Oh, that's amazing. It's actually a really lovely jersey. I'll be sure to tweet a picture of that later. Michael, who's going to win that game? Well, that's... Given the history of this game, and Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to play in a, a number of them where... They're generally so close. And we saw last year, I think it was two points in it, and the the Dragons got up there in a, in a game where the sun was out at the start. It was amazing. Then all of a sudden we had to cancel the game, call the game off That's for right. a certain amount of time because this storm came over, this the lightning and hail. Uh, so it just added to, to all of the effect and the, everything of the game. And I, I think no matter what sort of form either team go into this game in, there's just so much build-up and passion around it. And, and you stand there, the crowd is full, uh, the last post is playing. So it's, it's one that, you know, I'm getting goosebumps and the hairs are standing up on the back of my neck just thinking about it. So it's a, uh, just the emotion around the game and the atmosphere just builds everything up so much that it's so intense. Uh, and it, it is, uh, one that, you know, I don't think anyone, it's a, it's a tipping nightmare, really. Mm-hmm. So, but I think given the Roosters form over the last couple of weeks is I think they're just starting to hit their straps and I think they will be too good. Just. So I've, I, I I've should probably, them. I'll tip the Dragons then so the Roosters <laughs> will probably win. <laughs> I do that sometimes with Parramatta. And speaking of Parramatta, that's the other game that I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Parramatta v North Queensland tonight. Parramatta have been very good in recent weeks, but I think this is really going to be the test for them tonight. No one likes going up to one three hundred Smile Stadium, especially with the form that the Cowboys are in. Oh, Michael likes going up there. <laughs> um, Morgan, are you going to keep an eye on that game? Definitely. I think this is going to be a really interesting test, like you said, of what the Eels are going to do with the rest of the season. They've already beaten the Cowboys once already this mm-hmm. season, but it is a different prospect going up to Townsville and playing them up on their home turf and having their home fans up there. But they seem quite, quite steady. So it will be, I think it could be a tight game. I don't know if the Cowboys will be able to run right over the Eels like they've been able to do in other, against other opposition in recent weeks. Because so far up there this year, the Cowboys have scored an average of 35 points and only conceded eight. I don't think it's going to be, well, my fingers are crossed that it's not going to be that much of a blowout tonight. It's going to be a real test of their fitness. I was up there Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's 30 degrees, mm. 80% humidity. So those conditions play a real factor in, in how well you can, um, you know, keep your defensive systems up. And we see Parramatta, their, def- their defense is built on line speed and aggression. Uh, and being able to sustain that over 80 minutes against a very big and mobile forward pack is, is, is difficult. And the key is Jonathan Thurston's kicking game. He is magnificent at it and he can put the ball when, where he wants to, when he wants it. So I think they'll be looking to turn the, turn the Parramatta defense around, maybe even with early kicks uh, and just try and play out of their end of the half. And I'm hoping Parramatta remain in the salary cap bubble that they've been in because <laughs> Brad Arthur seems to have really been able to very well shield the team from what's going on off the field. And fingers crossed that that continues so that they can get the win tonight. Elle, are you going to be watching your Tigers this afternoon? 
Uh, yes, I will be watching my tigers. Morgan's so, tigers so as well. Yes, we can oh, suffer really? together, Elle. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I've only just, and I wouldn't say recovered, but slightly got over last week being on the hill at Leichhardt watching uh, both field goals. The Yeah, the Mitch Moe's. Oh, mm. And then the follow-through from Kronk after uh, the lack of penalty try. So I'm Ooh. hoping for a different game. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get everyone's thoughts on this because the ruling is he has to be certain to put that ball down. I know Chris Lawrence is a f- fantastic player, but there's just it is a bit grey there if he is actually going to get that ball down. Like if he has a ball in his hands and he gets taken out, then he know, falls fair forward, and I reckon he scores that. <laughs> I, I have no doubt. Yeah, like but, no, okay. he he would get it down, but I think you know consistency with the rules. I think they got it right in the fact that they they couldn't determine whether he was actually going to get that ball down and get it down in time before it went over the dead ball line. I suppose my thing is, is anyone ever absolutely guaranteed to put that ball down? Absolutely, 100% guaranteed. I'll give you another question. Is anyone 100% guaranteed of anything in the NRL? No, <laughs> but no, that's exactly right. Is anyone 100% sure of anything? No. Of any ruling? No. Good. No. It's a great game. Wanted to have a chat about some of the other big issues in rugby league this week. So it was announced that the NRL competition committee is now considering alternatives for deciding sudden death matches. So will our finals continue to be decided by golden point? Some of the alternatives they're throwing up include like extra time of five, 10 minutes each way. Um, and the NFL model where the opposition gets a chance to respond if a team kicks a field goal in extra time. What do we think? Do we like golden point? Do we like it in regular season? Do we like it in finals? Should we have it? It's hard because last year's grand final was probably one of the most exciting grand finals I can think of. It was just absolutely thrilling, went down to last minute, heartbreak for mm-hmm. the Broncos. But uh, I don't know, it was so thrilling. But I can see where the point is coming from that, you know, to just finish a game that's been so hardly thought for over extra time just with a field goal. But you have to finish it somehow, so... I don't know. I, I'm a fan, but I would be interested to see what they come up with in other alternatives. Okay, Michael, what do you think? Do you yeah, like Golden Point? I'm definitely a fan. I don't, I'm, I'd be happy without it throughout the regular season. I think mm-hmm. if you play that amount of, uh, you know, play 80 minutes and comes up with a draw, that's fine. Everyone gets a point. And then, you know, cause that plays a big part in what happens at the end of the year as well in terms of finals and, and, and players getting through. And we don't have to worry about the extra minutes that those guys are playing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk about player burnout and of welfare. Course. So that needs to be factored in. Uh, for finals and big games, it's, I think, essential. We don't want to have the situation like the AFL where, which I think they're, they're going to change now, yes, but that's right. having to play the grand final again the next week, that could not be anything worse <laughs> you have that whole build up through the week the build up the emotion of the game and then to try and do it all again that would be really difficult so um i think there's a, a few different things we could look at and I, I i i'm happy with golden point as it is uh, i also do like the fact that you could have say if you kick a field goal that counts for a point but golden try is like the trump card so okay. you can play. So if you, if, you, if there's no try and you've kicked two field goals, then you win by two points. Uh, so that could be one option. Um, but you know the the field goal itself is a it's a high risk play because if you miss it, then the opposition have got seven tackles coming out from the twenty meter line, which uh, I think statistically is twenty to thirty percent of those sets end up in a try or a repeat set for the, for that team. So uh, it is a big play, and when they come off, like we saw last year, and you know we sorry we saw on um, at Leichhardt on the weekend, <laughs> when they come off, it's amazing, and uh, you know we just players need to be, I think, really 
selective with their with their options at the moment, given the fact that the seven tackles does have a, a big impact on the next set. So we seem pretty happy with Golden Point. The next issue I wanted to touch on, Al, was tripping. And when this became a normal part of our rugby league games, I think there's been seven instances of tripping so far this year and Paul Carter tripped someone else last night. Should players be tripping and should we be getting rid of them on the field? Oh, definitely not. We don't think we want to see anyone tripping because it can be dangerous, not just for the person that's been tripped, but for the guy that's actually put his foot out. And uh, I think a lot of these situations, they're just instinctive. And um, whether it's a flow on effect of the reduced interchange and the fatigue factor playing a part uh, with you know more space in the defensive lines and, and pl- players with better footwork beating the opposition players, I think that... Uh, needs to be looked at and I think timing wise I'm not sure when all of these are but I'm presuming they're later in the half mm-hmm. or uh, I know Dylan Walker did one which was early in the game but that was after they had that was their third game in 10 a days. A very short space so, of time I remember. You know, that, that fatigue effect can you know accumulate and, and, and be a part of it as well so I think we need to look at the timing of it and just the, maybe it's just an impact of, of the redu- reduced interchange. Speaking of fatigue, reduced interchange, five-day turnarounds, Michael do you think that's had any p- impact on the number of injuries we've seen this season? We lost Roger Tuivasa-Shek as well this week. There are a couple of injuries out of last night's game including uh, Andrew McCulloch, Heimel Hunt. Uh, what, what effect do you think that's having on our players? I think it's really hard. I know the NRL will get all of this data around, you know, what are the injuries coming from? Are they, you know, um, impact injuries? Are they soft tissue injuries? The Andrew McCulloch one was just an unfortunate one, which mm-hmm. happens in rugby league where you get put into a, a really dangerous, not a dangerous position, but an un, awkward position where those sorts of things can happen. So I think once the NRL comes out with that data and shares that transparently with all of the, the fans and the stakeholders in the game, we'll be able to really assess what impact the, um, interchange is having a lot of pecs at the moment, which is, uh, it could be, could be a part of it. And that was my concern when the re- reduction of interchange was going to come in because footballers, especially the guys in the middle are going to have to play longer. And if you're, if you're tired, you generally make poor decisions. So mm-hmm. if you're coming in with bad tackle technique, you're more at risk of injury or, um, you know, you put yourself in a bad position or if someone steps you again, the trip or the, the arm that you put out and slap someone across the face might end up with more people going to the, to to the judiciary for that. Time for my favourite segment now. We'll do Mary's Mix-Up. First, on Leicester City Watch, Tottenham ate into Leicester's lead with their 4-0 victory over Stoke on Monday while Leicester drew 2-2 with West Ham on Sunday. So the gap is now five points with four matches to go. Will the fairy tale Foxes hold on? I'm really hoping so. The next thing I wanted to mention was that the Australian women have won the inaugural 2016 Dodgeball World Cup in Manchester. The women's team is named the Dodgeroos. I had no idea that dodgeball was a thing. I just love this. I think it's fantastic. Uh, congratulations to Adelaide, Adelaide United, who'll host their first A-League Grand Final at the Adelaide Oval next Sunday. Uh, they beat Melbourne City last night 4-1 in front of our sold-out crowd at Cooper Stadium. And finally this week, I think my favourite story was that we'll be celebrating 50 years of female participation in the Boston Marathon this week. So on Monday morning, more than 13,000 women will start in the 120th Boston Marathon, and it was 50 years ago that Roberta Gibb at age 23 was the first woman to cross the line. It's actually a really cool story. So she entered the race, tucked her ponytail into her hoodie and was running and was hoping that no one would notice her. And then men did notice that she was running and and said to her, no, 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 you you need to be here. It's really cool that you're participating. Um, 
men and women have the right to run on the street. So it was a pretty good celebration and she is going to be the Grand Marshal of this year's race. So I might share that story on social media later because I think it's really cool. Michael, it's time to have a chat with you. I just wanted to hear a little bit more about the work that you're doing with the Rugby League Players Association. Well, lots at the moment. It's very exciting. I, uh, so when I, when I retired, I was uh, lucky enough to have two options. I was um, offered the job coaching the 20s down in Melbourne, which I w- would have loved to have done. Craig Bellamy was one of my most influential people in my, in my life and uh, through my football career. But this opportunity came up and the Players Association, at, not that it had been str- hadn't been strong, but it had been around for a long time. There was, it was understaffed, under-resourced, and I just saw a really big opportunity there. Um, my best mate, Clint Newton, was president at the time as well, so... Uh, we just thought, you know, there was a really good opportunity for us to to grow, help grow the business and educate the players on what we actually did and how important it was to them. Um, so through the last CBA, there was a lot of senior players that stood up and really made a big difference. And it wasn't just about them. It was about trying to build up everything else for the younger guys coming through. And the more conversations we have with these players, they actually just want to help the rest of rugby league. Mm-hmm. So they, they want to make sure that, you know, the, the younger players are looked after and the game's in really good shape. And our new CEO, um, Ian Prendergast, who's come over from the AFLPA, young, great vision, great strategy, but he's, he's really focusing on the philosophy of being a genuine partnership with the NRL and the mm-hmm. clubs so we can deliver the best outcomes for players. Because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, and that's the best product on the field on the weekend. And um, we all play a role in that. So, uh, it's been a, it's been a really important sort of last six months with us since, um, Prenda came on. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's really refreshing to know that the players are starting to understand and buy in, uh, and, and know that their voice means so much more to, than, than our voice. So we, we can, we can come up with all the ideas in the world, but they're irrelevant if the players don't see the same way. So, uh, it is, it is geographically and numbers wise, it's hard for us to actually, get the full collective voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one thing we're really working on, our engagement with the players, our communication with the stakeholders, uh, so outside the game. And, and you know, we, we want the best results for players, but we want the best results for games. So it's an easy it's an easy buy-in for everyone once we start talking about that because the game's the most important thing at the end of the day. And speaking about a collective voice, uh, the news that the you guys will be representing the Kiwi Ferns and the Jillaroos was also really big news at the beginning of the year. Exactly, yeah. So the girls, and, and if you ever get a chance to speak to them, and, and there's been a lot of stories around uh, over the media in the last couple of weeks about the sacrifices they make. I remember being in the Queensland Origin Camp, I think, in 2014 for the women, mm-hmm. uh, and I asked the coach, I said, you know, just tell me a bit about these girls and their story. And he goes, okay, well, it's been around for a long time. This is our 16th year of playing State of Origin. We've never been beaten. I said, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. They were undefeated. And I said, how, how do I, as a Queenslander, not know that story? We need to promote this. And then you go into camp and you speak to the girls. There was five or six of them that flew from Cairns or Townsville down to Brisbane every weekend just to play at their own cost just because they had a competition down there that was good. Um, so the sacrifices they make, when they, when they go into camps, you know, they weren't getting paid a daily allowance or anything like that. They had to take time off, leave, time off work, unpaid. Um, and then speaking of the, some of the Kiwi ferns, it's, they, <laughs> They basically, if their employer doesn't want them to go away, they just quit their jobs mm-hmm. because they just want to play. And it's a really competitive market over there in New Zealand with the, with the rugby being so prevalent. Uh, and obviously this year as well with the Rio Olympics, it's a, it's a, a big threat to rugby league. But a lot of these girls want to stay because they actually just love playing the game. So that's really refreshing. So the sacrifices they make and the passion, the commitment they play with. And if you've seen the games, 
they are as good as any game. Some of the tackle technique that they have and their passion and the, the way they put their bodies on the line and their skill level, uh, it's just phenomenal to watch. So it's a, it's a pleasure for us to, to have them on board as members and, you know, fight for their rights and, and just deliver good outcomes for them in, in terms of, you know, that they, they don't want money. You know, that's not their main focus. They just want to be supported, um, have access to, to good facilities and resources, and um, be looked after when they can, when they're in camp in terms of staffing and um, building the culture and helping to build the game. And a lot of them just want to talk about this legacy piece of being a part of getting the women's game now into a really, really strong position, which is, again, really refreshing for those girls to have that mindset. Michael, do you feel like we're in a strong position at the moment? We saw Cricket Australia give uh, and raise the base salaries for their cricketers. They've done so well, you know, World Cup in T20, great figures. We saw the test last year get, it was a delay game, a huge audience for that game. Is that something that you, that you're collating and, and pushing? Is there, is there a sort of a base? I know you said money is not what the focus is for these girls, which is great, but is there a base to try and to push so they are rewarded for their efforts? I think so. And you look at, so we just announced new major sponsors for them. So Harvey Norman have been partners for a couple of years uh, and they've just had Jetstar come on board as well. So that's obviously an, another big step forward for them. The, the game, the double header test is going to be delayed, but it's going to be telecast on channel nine. So again, that's really good promotion of the game and you know, people that watch it, um, they'll, they'll see the, the skill level that these girls play with the intensity over in Auckland. Uh, I know it is they're playing against the the Kiwi Ferns, so the New Zealand national team. But that crowd was full for all of their games, so it just it just highlights the fact that people love it and they want to watch it. Uh, and you know, participation levels have gone up thirty odd percent, I think, over the last twelve years. So you know, the more we can give these girls a pathways, and they're looking at the junior path junior pathways now, it's just going to help young girls stay in the game, whether it's through touch football or you know, Oztag or you know, um, actual rugby league then you know, we're going to give these girls opportunities not just to play the game but to stay involved in the game because women run the game. You know, they, they're the mothers that take the kids to the games. They're the ones that help out. They're volunteers at the clubs. They're on the committees. They do so much for the game. So it's really important that we, we celebrate that. And the, the game has done a really good job in celebrating women in league over a long period of time. But um, getting the focus now on the girls that are actually playing at that elite level and um, we saw last year at the Dally M's, you know, the female um, player of the year was uh, awarded for the first time. That was Jenny Sue Hopa from uh, up in North Queensland, who is a phenomenal girl and a phenomenal talent. So the more recognition they get, the more we can help grow the game uh, broadly across Australia. Yeah, I think it's great to see. And I think that the platform that Cricket Australia have set up hopefully will spread through. I think we've seen so much dominance through the girls' sides, through um, the Southern Stars, the women's sevens mm-hmm. team as well. I think it'd be really great to see that penetrate through to the Gillaroos. Um, I was actually up there last year in Queensland and um, took myself along, made sure I was there nice and early to go and watch the girls' game. And I swear the game, the girls' game with their eight giant big hits, just to watch that live was incredible. And actually, dare I say it, more entertaining than the men's game, which was a bit of a fizzer after that. But I think that's the conversation that we need to keep having because so many people think that no one has interest in women's sport. The very fact that it's not televised and people aren't given the opportunity to get to know the players and the girls 
means that there isn't that interest. But if it is televised, then there is the interest because our women are extremely talented and coming off the back of the Matildas qualifying for Rio, our Aussie Rugby Sevens team, uh, women in sport are, are amazing at the moment. And there's so many great opportunities in that space to promote it. You, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, you think, oh, ru- female rugby league players, they're going to be big and they're going to be tough, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of these girls that are playing, you know, Sam Hammond, Alana Ferguson, some of the girls from um, Maddie Studden, they're they're tiny girls, but they are so competitive and so tough and their tackle technique and the way they run with the ball is, is like you said, it's really exciting. So, uh, it's not just a game for, you know, big athlete, big athletic women. It's a game for everyone. And you know, the more we can get these young, young girls playing it and being involved, uh, the better it's going to be in the future. And I think that's really the message that rugby league is a game for everyone and everybody should be welcome in whatever capacity they want to participate in the game, whether it be as a volunteer, whether it be as a player, whether it be involved in, ad- in administration. And that's what I'm really hoping to see, an open and inclusive game. And I also like the point that you made about the fact that you didn't know the dominance in the State of Origin side. I'd love to see the women's side be more involved with the men's side and have it more of one community. I mean, that's my bugbear. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the more that we join the two teams and make it a community of that team, the better it'll be for both sides. Exactly. And another thing is, so Mel Meninga's come on now as obviously the Australian coach, but he is looking after the whole elite pathway. And, you know, we've got, uh, female Gillaroos and Georgia Hale from the Ferns who are now ambassadors of, of the NRL. Uh, so they can help promote the message. But Mel, Mel's really looking at, so the, the NRL have values. They have a value system that's never been promoted. So he wants to build the Australian team around those values. And you've, look at the players that we've got in those teams. They slot into those values perfectly. So there's, and, and females as well. So we can, we can use that as a really good promotional tool to, to build the game itself, but just to spread the message throughout the, um, general public in terms of what we stand for. And a lot of that is inclusiveness and fairness and, and, um, trust and mateship. So yeah, once Mel, I think, spreads that vision, it's going to be really important for, for the game to utilize this because we've got so many good people in those positions that can actually lit, they live by those values. Uh, and the general public will go, wow, you know, I want my kid to be like that. Michael, before we finish up this segment, one thing I always like to ask people is if you could change one thing about rugby league tomorrow, what would it be? Hard question, I know. It's a very tough question. I know. That's why I like to ask it. (laughs) uh, Obviously, I'd love to be back playing, but uh, for me – I think the shoulder charge, it's, and I know this is a very contentious one. I'm mm-hmm. not saying this, you know, this is definitely not a RLPA view because we want to collectively yeah. and we want to look after players. But, uh, for mine, I just thought it's, uh, when done right, it's a really, um, big thing in the game that people love to see. It. The fans love to see it. The players love doing it. Um, when it goes wrong, we ne- I think we just needed to penalize it really, really harshly. Okay. So, uh, I, I just, I love that physicality of the game and, and big fellas coming together and, uh, even guys like Chrissy Sando trying to put a shoulder charge on Greg Inglis. It's, it's great to watch and it came off second best for him and he probably <laughs> actually got charged for it. So, um, that's just, that's just me, but I'm a bit old school as well. So, um, I, I, to be honest, I don't think we need to change the game at all. I don't, you know, I, I never have. I think we look at the games we had last year, the Roosters game, Roosters Broncos game, I think round 24 it was, was one of the best games I've ever seen. And there was, you know, some key injuries in that game, but it was still, it was fast. It was exciting. It was really close at the end. And that grand final, I, can it get better? No, I don't think <laughs> exactly. it can. So and we, we have, we have a fantastic product. And that's why no matter what happens off the field and, and you know, through the media, the game is always the winner. And that's because the players do such a good job of going out there and entertaining the crowd. 
I think that's a perfect way to end this segment. We'll wrap it up there and come back shortly. This app's been the first in a series of all rugby league talking podcasts because next weekend we'll be having Yvonne Sampson in the studio, so it's definitely going to be a rugby league chat then. Elle, thanks for coming in again. Thanks for having me. No, you're welcome anytime. Morgan, thank you for joining us. It was great to have you in the studio for the first time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. No, that's okay. And Michael, big thanks to you as well. It was a great chat with you this morning. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be part of the Girls Club. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> now, make sure you listen, you subscribe, uh, give us any feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Have a fantastic long weekend. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League. <laughs> Five-day turnarounds are bad Especially when you have to travel A week between games is much better But even six clear days is good But almost half the rounds when Friday comes Channel 9